The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Whether you're a pistachio purist who loves the experience of cracking them open or you love the convenience of no-shell pistachios like myself, Wonderful Pistachios is the perfect healthy snack for when hunger strikes. And there are a bunch of tasty flavors to choose from too, like honey roasted, smoky barbecue, jalapeno lime, and more. Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash activecash. What's up, everybody? I'm Ashley Nicole Moss. This is Paper Route. I got B-Flow in the studio with me. And if you are wondering where in the world our third party is, he's in the ATL because the second stop of the I Am Iconic Tour kicks off tonight. Um, special guest 2 chains. Yeah. Cam and uh, Brandon have been stomping, moving all around Atlanta. You know, radio stations, eight, you know, Atlanta Hawks games. Um, you know, Atlanta also is where Cam's from, so it's yeah. a homecoming for him. Um, yeah, so he was supposed to join us today, but he's just obviously been very, very busy. Um, maybe he'll stop by. We don't know. But there's a lot of stuff to get into from the basketball world to the NFL world. Big story coming out of last night's game. I mean, Beeflo, what you want to talk about? Are the Eagles in serious trouble? I hope so. Because they've been tripping <laughs> lately. Like, they didn't uh -huh. been Eagles. Well, before, at the beginning of the season, I did tell B. Marshall they don't look the same. But I let him kind of get me on track saying that they got a championship pedigree. But I don't know. I think they might be in trouble. Well, we shall see. You know I can't wait to talk about that right there. Um, I don't know if you saw this tweet. It went viral over – are you on Twitter? You I got like an dabble. account. Yeah, I got an account, but, you don't but tweet, I don't but you be. Just nah, like, I don't you tweet. You just like check out what's going on. Yeah. Oh, okay, so you're not a tweeter, but you're a tweet watcher. Yeah, I'm a tweet watcher okay. or X watcher, whatever. I'm gonna call it Twitter. Well, there's a tweet um, going viral about the idea of having a black versus white Pro Bowl. So a segregation bowl, basically, <laughs> is what we're talking about. Um, we'll go ahead, pull up the chat, talk about it. Some football players have already dived in, including JJ Watt. Um, but yeah, that was, it was a little, uh, it was a little odd. We'll go ahead and we'll talk about that <laughs> a little bit later. But first we're going to dive into Philadelphia as B-Flow alluded to three weeks ago. Many people were wondering if anybody could keep the Eagles out of the top spot, not only in the conference, but also in the division. Well, now many are wondering if they will even win their own division. The Eagles faced or went ahead and secured their third loss last night. 
um, against the Seattle Seahawks. Stunning comeback for Drew Locke. Absolutely. Um, I loved his post-game speech. I don't know if you saw yeah, it. It was, yeah, oh, it was amazing. Such a good one. Um, I always had the vision of Drew Locke in my head and the sidelines of when he was playing with, with Jeezy, yeah. <laughs> but he played for the Broncos and he's like dancing all off beat, but uh -huh. it was so endearing like to watch. But his post game, if you haven't checked that out, it's absolutely just an amazing, amazing uh, post game interview. But um, the Eagles did not look good. Now, granted, Jalen Hurts was dealing with flu-like symptoms. He didn't look well. Like if you've ever had the flu or taken care of somebody who had the flu as someone who had it twice this year, he looked like he did not feel well, but it was not just Jalen Hurts. The whole team just looked discombobulated in disarray. And it's actually what Jalen Hurts said after the game that is raising a bunch of eyebrows, just very dejected, very just aloof, if you will. Go ahead and listen to this, and then we'll talk about it. In, in those situations. I've been talking about execution all year. Um, been on the same page. Everyone been on the same page. and. We didn't execute. Um, I don't think we were we're all were uh, committed enough. You know, you know, just just got to turn it around. You know, um, you know, it's a challenge that we have to embrace. And just continue to see it through. What do you mean by that about being committed enough? Commitment. I don't know nothing that I had a dictionary on me now. Um, Excuse me. I don't know um, how else to say. Okay, so there's two things that I got from this. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, he's upset about losing um, three in a row. But also, and I can relate to this. I don't know what Jalen Hurts' astrology sign is. Can somebody tell me when he was born? Um, but I know me. I have the same attitude when I'm sick. Uh -huh. Like, that answer that you get, like, oh, I don't know, I don't have a dictionary in front of me, that is such a me answer when I'm not feeling well. Like, I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't want anybody around me. Like, don't try to, like, are you okay? Is there anything? Like, stop talking to me. Stop breathing next to me. Like, everything annoys me. So it's a combination, I feel like, of August 7th. August 7th. Oh, my God. He's a Leo. <laughs> oh, yeah, that explains it. Okay, for sure. He's a Leo. There's already an ego there. But, um, listen, I... <laughs> I honestly, like, it's a combination of the losing and also um, the fact that he doesn't feel well as a combination. And he doesn't look well. Like, he just looks very, like, flustered and just, like, his eyes are glossy. But taking that away, um, to question the commitment of the team is a big statement to make from your quarterback. Saying that you don't feel that the guys are committed is a big statement to make because that's not just singling out one person. That's singling out, that's basically making it across the board a universal thing, which is such a far cry from the post-game interviews that he would give after wins. Even after the first two losses, you didn't really get that type of uh, rhetoric from him this third loss again maybe it's a little bit of a combination he just was annoyed just not feeling well but to question the commitment of the team and say it's not there that's a big statement to make not for sure like the thing is we always don't know anything what's going on behind those walls in a locker room mm -hmm. right it looked good on the outside teams can be winning but when everything goes wrong is when a team is losing. When you're losing, you point at every little sign to why you can't be losing. It could be something that's deep, that's saying like, hey, we don't watch enough film. We're going through walkthrough, nobody paying attention. Like, this is like, 
key things we need to get down. We need to get our chemistry right before the game. Or it could be something as simple as when I played in San Diego, mm-hmm. we had guys like Philip Rivers. When we get to the hotel on Friday night, he watching film on Friday. He watching film on Saturday. Guys like myself, we going out to eat. We going to hit the club. <laughs> like we trying to see what a spot at on Friday and Saturday. Right. And we like, yo, that's what we had all week of practice for. Like uh-huh. we locked in then. This is uh-huh. our time to enjoy this city. So mm-hmm. I don't know which way to go with Jalen Hurts for that answer, but the Eagles need to get it on track. Well, it's interesting because I think you were the one who said it. And this is not verbatim because I don't remember how verbatim how you said it. But you spoke about kind of the ego of the Eagles weeks ago where you said that this may be a little bit of a problem because I think that they're buying into a lot of what everyone's saying about them. And that can either, you know, motivate you to stay in that, you know, on that trajectory or it can go ahead and affect you down the stretch, down the line. And that's, again, not a direct quote of how you said it, but you spoke about this very thing about how it may come back and bite them in the ass, basically. And here we are. That's human nature. When you have a team that's successful and young, Mm -hmm. like you can't can't help it. You go feel yourself. You go feel like you arrived. You go feel like whatever happened in the game, we're going to be able to get ourselves out of it at the end. Mm -hmm. Keep it close. Hurts to make a good play. Guys like A.J. Brown feel like they go always make a play. Mm-hmm. But once it don't happen, like, that's when you need a leader. That's when you need a guy that's on the team other than Hurts. Because Hurts been leading all year. Now you need another voice in that locker room. And I'm interested to see who it's going to be to have this team step up and try to find some way to turn this around. Now, we won't really see them get tested again for the rest of the year, for real. because. Well, that's it's interesting you bring that up because I – I actually, like, everyone called me a hater earlier in the season because I was going ahead and nitpicking at the wins that Philly was getting. And Mm -hmm. again, a win is a win. One of my favorite sayings, you are what your record says you are. But if you actually watched the games that they were winning, they weren't playing exceptional football. They were just doing what good football teams, and even with the losses that they've acquired three in a row, this is still a good football team. One of the best in the NFL. You can't go ahead and, and, and change that discourse. But good football teams find a way to win in spite of their shortcomings. But if you actually watch the game and nitpick the X's and the O's, they were winning, but they weren't winning in an oppressive manner. There was still a lot of question marks about this team. And that's why when they beat Kansas City and we had that mm-hmm. conversation, I was the one, and you and Brandon looked at me like I was crazy. I said, it's <laughs> not that impressive of a win. I believe Kansas City beat themselves. I don't think Philly did anything miraculous to beat them. And I said all that to say because watching each and every game that they were winning, there was nothing that really stood out to me except for maybe one or two games. And those were against teams that you should blow out. Mm-hmm. that I can say, oh, okay, this is, there was always like gray areas. And I always said that they haven't really been battle tested. And now we're in the stretch of the season and you're starting to see those barely getting by games that they won earlier in the season and all of the, the gray area that they were existing in is now starting to come full circle and it's being exposed. Their offense is very predictable. Very. It's very predictable. And what you're saying that, it brings up the loss of the old coordinator last year who's in Indy now, mm-hmm. Shane Steichen. I was with Shane and Nick in San Diego when they were the San Diego Chargers, now uh, Los Angeles Chargers. And Shane is a brilliant mind. Like mm-hmm. He's a guy that's going to stay in that 
meeting room, like, night in, night out. Him and Nick used to sleep at the facility. Like, those guys know about the grind. When Justin Herbert came on the scene as a rookie, like, Shane was still in the building. He was his OC. Mm -hmm. So wherever Shane went, he's been successful. He got Gardner Minshew successful in Indy. Like, everybody almost forgot that AR-15 is hurt over there. Like, that's the mm -hmm. brilliant mind that he is as a coach, and that's who Jalen was thriving off of last year when they made their Super Bowl run. So now that he's gone, that, that's going to set them back. Their D coordinator is gone. Now they're trying to figure out if Matt Patricia is going to be the guy. They had Darius lay out for the last two weeks. Like, he's the anchor of that secondary. Bradbury had a tough night last night. Like, they're going through their growing pains at the wrong time. You exactly. And I know people will go ahead and say, oh, they're 10-3 and three or 10-4 and four now, um, which is right. But, again, if you – I feel like people sometimes get blinded by records and they don't actually, like, break down each game to get to that record. And, mm -hmm. again, when it comes down to where you are in terms of playoff standings, the record is the only thing that matters. I get that. I'm not negating that. But I think that people – just look at the record and say, oh, they're 10-4. and four. That, you know, What are we even talking about here? But if you actually go week by week and you actually really watch the Philadelphia Eagles, this is not that big of a surprise. For me, it's not that big of a surprise. And obviously, being a Cowboys fan, people discredit, oh, you're just mad, you're just hating because they were playing better than us in the first half of the season. Mm -hmm. But much like the Cowboys – who went through their growing pains earlier in the season. And, yes, the Bills game was disgusting. I have my thoughts on that. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, I think that a lot of the things they needed to address, they addressed earlier in the season because the Eagles were going ahead and winning games and not really feeling the effects of the gray areas of their team. I don't know if they ever fully felt the need to address it because they were winning in spite of it, and now it's coming full circle. And that's the thing. When you went in, nobody really want to dissect your team and dissect right. your wins. There's and no reason to. You're winning games. If you look at it, the Dolphins game is what kept people on the Eagles bandwagon because they only won two games this entire season by two scores. That was against the Dolphins. When mm -hmm. the Dolphins, they felt like they was competitive, even though the Dolphins were banged up going into that game, and the other ones were against the Buccaneers. Like Every team that's pretty much dominant – or who's a contender mm -hmm. in the AFC or the NFC, they have, like, blowout wins this year, mm -hmm. like, more than two that let you know, like, they have arrived. But the Eagles, this is a team, like I said, it's going to hurt them that they had an easier schedule going towards the latter part of the year because they're not going to get another test before mm -hmm. they get in the playoffs. And that's what they need because in the NFC, I mean, I plan on the Eagles winning the division, Ash, just because they got an easy schedule. But I think that's a favor for your Cowboys because the thing is, if they have to play the Rams in week one, the Rams in the NFC is like the Bills in the AFC. Like nobody really want to play the Rams right now. So I don't know how the Eagles are going to figure it out, playing these two games against the Giants and then one against Arizona to I get back on track. I don't know. I feel like <sighs> we look at the Eagles schedule coming up. They had the Giants, right? Twice. Twice. Tommy DeVito and the Giants are having a little... No. Hold on, hold on. Wait, let me, let me say this. Let me say this. I'm not a Giants fan. Oh don't, get, don't get me twisted at all. But I feel like Tommy DeVito's having a Josh Dobbs moment. Tommy DeVito is having a... Get out of my face, BC. Uh, Tommy DeVito is having a... You know when you get those quarterbacks and it's like the beginner luck quarterback? You don't really know. Yeah, the luck ran out last week. I don't know. I just feel like <laughs> with the way that Philly is playing and, you know, the up and down, the expect, like, I don't know. I feel like maybe 
I don't know. I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Giants were able to steal one. I wouldn't be surprised. The only reason I, I don't, don't think they'll I don't think they'll sweep them, but I would not be surprised. You have a divisional game in December. You have this quarterback who has all this like fandom momentum around him. I would not be surprised if the Giants were able to steal one and upset the Eagles. Because, I wouldn't. Because it's a division game and the Eagles have to get back on track. That's the only reason I say the Giants don't have to have a chance. Like they don't have a roster to compete with Philly, even though Philly's struggling right now. The Giants are bad. Um, DeVito. Yeah, you had your run, but now... I mean, he got smacked last week. So, like, yeah, maybe the Lux ran out. But I'm just saying, those divisional games in December, weird things have happened. I tell you what. I've seen Eagles, some very weird things happen. If the Eagles drop a game within these last three games, they're getting bumped out first round. They, they're, they're definitely getting bumped out first round because if nothing can light you up the last three, four games of the season, and, they two, and two of them are division games... Mm-hmm. N- yeah, you're not gonna have that life. Who's the switch. other team? The Commanders? No. So no, they got the Giants twice. So who's who's their third team? They have three Arizona. Teams. Like is you gave a shrug to Arizona? I mean, I lost to Arizona. So what you want me to say? <laughs> <laughs> the Cowboys lost to Arizona, and we lost to Arizona without Kyler Murray. So like, I mean, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go ahead and just you know not you know discredit Arizona because they beat me. So do you want to win a division? Yes. Why? Because you want to play at home? Well, yeah, like, why wouldn't I want to win the division? Because this is my thing. And on if top you, of that, why would I want the Eagles to be the first team to win the NFC East back-to-back? Like, I don't want that. But it's a right. marathon, Ash. If you're the Cowboys and you get the five seed, you're playing somebody out of the NFC South, whether it's going to be the Bucks or the Saints. Like, I would rather play the Bucks in the first round as opposed to playing the Rams that's, like, playing ball right now. One of the hottest teams in the NFC. Cowboys beat the Rams. Yeah, but okay, try to beat them again. I don't care we if you're at we home. Match up well. to... We match okay. up well against them. Oh, oh, we we win the, the division then. Please we win, win the division we so the, we can have we this conversation. All I'm saying is, is that obviously I want to win the division. Um, but to your point, yes, you got to think long term, long game. But um, I don't know. It's definitely going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting how December plays out. December is just a very new. It's just a very unpredictable time of year very in football. Like the craziest things happen. Games that shouldn't be lost are lost. Games that shouldn't be won are what. Like it's just very, very weird time. So we will see. Um, we're gonna go ahead and talk about my Dallas Cowboys. Micah Parsons, exactly. Now the Cowboys took a big L in Buffalo on Sunday. I was in New York watching that game. There were Buffalo Bills fans walking around the city, which is weird. Like I, <laughs> I've never really seen a Buffalo fan in, in New York City, but I digress. Um, they're technically in New York, right? Yeah, I mean, like technically, <laughs> like they're up there, like a little far from home. But um, yeah, whatever. Uh, I was looking at them crazy. I was like, yo, put on a Giants jersey like everybody else. Like, have some respect. Um, Listen, the Cowboys took a big L in Buffalo on Sunday, losing by three touchdowns, just absolutely abysmal, to Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. Now, unsurprisingly, many people were quick to jump on Dallas and, you know, hop off the bandwagon that they've been riding the past few weeks and question not only the effort, but whether the Dallas Cowboys are actually a team that can win in any place other than Dallas. And once again, the question marks about QB1, Dak Prescott, and his MVP season so far, everyone started to revert and retreat from all the things that they've been praising him for these past few weeks. 
Surprise, surprise. Well, Micah has had enough of that. And frankly, so have I. Listen to this. Everyone just waits for the Cowboys to lose. I saw multiple analysts, people who are fake analysts who somehow got jobs on TV saying, <laughs> there goes your boy. Like, oh, there he is. That's the person we've been waiting for. It's almost to the point where it's like almost sick. Former players are waiting for other current players to fail so that way they have something to talk about. It's not even to just get into names. I mean, I feel like at this point, you kind of know who you are. And it's like, why do you want a person to lose so bad? It seems that a lot of people People are just waiting for people to fail. Well, well, well. Micah, <laughs> I appreciate you, Micah. I've been saying this. I Listen, here we go. My issue with this is there is no, there is a clear bias from people who are supposed to be unbiased. And let me make this very clear. Technically, as a journalist, should I have a team that I root for openly? No. It goes against the whole basis of journalism. But I think that in the new era of sports media, you know, personalities, journalists, analysts having their favorite teams, their favorite players is kind of the way things are. But I feel like there's a line with that. I feel like one thing about me is when it comes to the Cowboys, the Knicks, the Yankees, all the teams that I openly root for, I will openly defend them, but I'm the first one to drag them if they do something bad. I'm the first one to drag them if they play like trash. I'm the first one to hold them accountable. And I feel like you have to have that line in order to go ahead and approach what you're talking about in a fair manner. So for me, I have an issue with the Cowboys constantly being held to a different standard. They are constantly held, and I understand the star, and I understand America's team. They're always, you know, blasted in the media differently, and they're always talked about in the media constantly. I get that. It comes with the territory. But much to Micah's point, there are people who are basically preying on the downfall of these players so that they have things that they can go ahead and put out on social media so they can get engagement, so they can get clicks. And it's it's it comes across personal it comes across corny it comes across corny? very biased yes it's corny why are you like one minute it's like oh Dak Prescott MVP Dak Prescott da, da, da. I didn't want to give him his credit and then the next means and I don't even want to go into specifics because then it's going to be clear who I'm talking about but people know who they are like I don't even need to like I do all, I don't even need too. to do all that but it's corny like setting up little skits and stuff to talk about how Dak Prescott ain't him but like you're like it's corny like it's just whack like I understand having an opinion and I understand the Cowboys bring engagement and they bring clicks and there are certain teams that are talked about in the media more because they get the most engagement and the most people, you know, love to hate them. But it much to Micah's point, it seems like it's a personal vendetta after a point. Like you're almost not really it seems like a personal pen, vendetta after a point. Like This is this is the house that Jerry built. Like this is when you see the Cowboys helmet, like you're going to respond whether you love them, you hate them. Any other team that play on Sundays, if you don't have any kind of interest, if that's not your team or they're not playing your team, you kind of don't care. I don't care what team it is. Okay. That's just what the, that's why they're America's team. Like you feel like you have to come and just give your opinion on what's going on in Dallas. And the fans kind of have something to do with it because they feel like y'all feel like y'all winning the Super Bowl every year. But and so what? 
Most team, most fans believe that their team is going to win the Super Bowl. Not really. Like, Lakers fans think that they're going to win the chip every year. They're not. Like, it, you're not a fan if you don't have that, like, delusion. But the Lakers, Cowboys, Yankees, like, they all the same. But what I'm saying is, it's like, fan, being a fan is being part delusional. Like, it, it just, it's <laughs> believing that your team can go all the way, whether that is feasible or not. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But I'm just, I spoke about, we spoke about this when we were talking about earlier in the season. I feel like, for example, Josh Allen, when he's out there throwing interceptions or, or, or Jalen Hurts, when he's not playing great football and he's out there, you know, being a turnover machine and things like that in games and clutch situations. Yes, the team may bail him out and still win, but he had a bad game. The narrative and the way in which that is talked about and discussed and analyze is drastically different than Dak. Like, if we're going to be honest, they, if we're going to be honest, Josh Allen should have been under the same amount of criticism for his turnovers and his lack of clutchness in big games that Dak has always two totally been. totally different markets. How, it does, but this is my point. The market, yes. But when we're talking about the quarterback, when we're talking about people who are supposed to be analyzing the game and giving their opinion on the game, you talking about Josh Allen differently for doing the exact same thing that you're criticizing Dak for is biased. You know like, why it's not that a comes fair about criticism. Also, you're, they're doing the exact same thing that you're bashing one quarterback for, but giving the other one grace and excuses. That's the issue. That's what Mike was talking about. I know I'm probably not going to say this saying right. Maybe I messed it up. But too much is given, much is required. However it go. That's right? close. Who, it's close. Too, who yeah. much is given, much is tested, I think. Yeah. Or no, no, much is required. required I yeah. think, yeah, whatever. One of those. Sorry. But, I, I, learned, I knew that saying but i don't know <laughs> when you a player in the nfl the one franchise you would love to play for is the dallas cowboys why because okay. they play on tv every single week right so if you're playing well you're gonna have all the endorsements you're gonna have pepsi you're gonna have what, whatever okay. whatever endorsements so? right so you get all the good you'll get all the praise you'll get the pro bowls the all pros because everybody's seeing you on tv every week everybody's talking about your game okay when you play bad it's in everybody's face also. So they go depict and they just go and give their opinion on every single game that goes on that year. As opposed to Josh Allen in a small market, whereas Buffalo might have four, four primetime yeah, games. But Josh so, Allen's in a small market, but Josh Allen's a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. So why is he not held to the same standard? If, I understand the team aspect. Buffalo's not Dallas. Get that. But we're talking about Josh Allen. We're not talking about Joe Flacco. Like, Josh Allen, the top 10 quarterback. This is a quarterback that people thought was already going to have a Super Bowl under his belt. So why is it that when he does the exact same thing that Dak does, there's excuses made for him, but Dak is criticized as not clutch, and Dak's not a franchise quarterback. They've done, like, they did the exact, like, literally in the same game, <laughs> they could both have three turnovers, and the game is lost. But there are justifications as to why Josh Allen had those turnovers. But Dak is not clutch. And Dak isn't a franchise quarterback. And Dak is who we thought he is. You don't think that's weird? It's not. This is the reason we do it. It might sound childish, but look at your reaction. Cowboys fans give such much, so much more of a reaction than a Bills fan does, do. If you say Josh Allen sucked, they'd be like, all right, cool. It ain't that nah, Bill's, Bill's ain't Mafia that big is of a crazy. Deal. Bill's Mafia is crazy. <laughs> I don't know about you. Not on Twitter. Bill's Mafia is crazy. But when you talk about the Dallas Cowboys, like everybody come out of everywhere, just having their own opinion. Like what you like? How you speaking about that? I don't feel like most people come to tour defense like that. They might have a little bit to say. But Dallas Cowboys fans will beat the table down about Dak or defending 
they're going to go to the Super Bowl or we're going to make a run or this and that. I just think. No, but Dallas, I think that's the misconception is as Cowboys fans, like, yes, there may be the delusion that we're always going to the Super Bowl and this is our year. I get that. Whatever. Like, screw up. Like, chastise us. Screw us for being optimistic. Whatever. But I think that also we're the first one to criticize our team for not playing well because we hold them to such a high standard. But all I'm saying is, is hold that everybody else to that standard. I, no, like if Dak has a bad game, if the offensive line has a bad game, if CD has a bad, the Cowboys fans are the first to be like, or to call it out. If Mike McCarthy calls a bad game, the Cowboys fans are the first one to be like, he's got to go. Like there's this misconception that because part delusion of going all the way means that you also can criticize your team. That's not true. But I think that the issue Cowboys fans have is that what's good for the goose is not good for the gander. And I think that if you're going to go ahead and criticize turnovers and you're going to go ahead and criticize losing in the big games and mistakes that go ahead and cause you to lose in the games, that's fine. And I'm not saying the Cowboys should be, you know, protected from that criticism all I'm saying is, is that if you're going to criticize Dak or whatever player, insert player here, for doing X, Y, and Z, when that's done, and when it's done frequently in multiple seasons or in a season, why is it that the other player gets a grace, gets a justification as to why it I happened? I honestly think everybody get criticized as Dak get criticized. They be on Josh Allen's head. They always say if Josh Allen just don't turn the ball over, Buffalo Bills will win. They might be a Super Bowl contender. If Josh you, Allen so you don't think it's a double do standard when it comes to the way that the Cowboys are No, are I will, just out. because they're America's team. Like that's who everybody wanna play for. They play they stay in a Ritz Carlton while everybody else stay in like regular hotels. Do they really stay like, in a Ritz Carlton? No, they actually do. Like uh-huh. they get five star treatment. Look at their facilities. What's like, wrong with five star hotels? Do you want to sleep in a two star hotel? I mean, I wish if I was on a different NFL franchise, we can sleep in Ritz Carlton. Where did like, you guys sleep when you guys were playing? We, I mean, we Marriott? were decent. Nah, I went Marriott. <sighs> Sometimes Marriott. <laughs> <laughs> if there's no Ritz Carlton, it was kind of budget on some Wisconsin, squad. Like, where you gonna? No, in major cities, you guys were not sleeping in Marriotts. I mean. Nah, it wouldn't. It wouldn't be Marriotts, but it wasn't a Ritz. Where was like, it? Like W? That's a nice hotel. It's not even a. It's like in between the like W a and then yeah, something like a Wesson, something like that. And you kind of like, yo, it's cool, but nah. I know some NBA Dallas, Dallas be lit. I know some NBA teams that when they go to certain cities, they're staying like in one hotels and stuff like that. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, Dallas be living. So everybody kind of hate on the Cowboys. They just got it separate. That's what come with it. I love it if I was a player, actually. Listen. Cowboys are traveling to uh, the 305 Christmas Uh-oh. Eve. Woo, 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 woo. Uh-oh. I will be there in the building. Um, are we optimistic about this road game? Listen, the weather is not going to be a factor. This mm-hmm. is great football weather. Um, you know, the turf is not going to be a factor. They play on real grass. Mm-hmm. How are you feeling about the outcome here? We don't know the status of Tyreek Hill just yet. More don't than matter. likely, he will be playing, though. Um, I would feel like he'll be playing. He's had at least two weeks off at this point, if you count, you know, the week and then the week leading up to this game. It's about two weeks. So what are you what are you feeling about? I think the Cowboys have a they need 30, this. 30% chance of winning this game. 30? Yeah. they Y'all terrible on the road. It's like the Cowboys are terrible on the road. They coming into a – they come into a team. They come into play a team that plays just as well as they do at home. Uh-huh. Like Miami at home is almost flawless. Tyreek coming back, even if he don't come back. Well, let's just say Tyreek is coming back. He's gonna be healthy. He's gonna be a problem. They go get him his touches. He's unstoppable. The only chance that the Cowboys have is 
if y'all hit tour early and y'all get three turnovers. That's the only way I can see you guys winning. And even then... I think that we're going to bounce back. The Cowboys are never in sync on the road, but y'all need this game. Mm, because sure it's, it's very probable that y'all will go on the road in the playoffs. Y'all need to feel as a team that y'all can win against a tough opponent on the road. And we've gone on the road. We gone to, The Rams was on the road. Rams playing better now, I yeah, feel. But when y'all played them then, it was kind of like, ah. It's I the agree Rams. with you completely. I think that. Um, like, y'all just need to feel it. Like, yo, we went on the road. We played a good team. But on the other side of the dub. conversation, Miami does struggle with teams that are winning, that are win- are contenders, that are winning teams. We go ahead. That are hit. over, I believe, 500 maybe. Or, okay. you know, they do struggle against good football teams. So I feel like going into this game, the playing field's a lot more even than people may go ahead and give credit So what percent for. chance you get a Cowboys winning? 70. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, I'm not going to take listen, that If playing, I'm going to go 50-50, honestly. I think, it's a 50-50 yeah? sh- I think it's a 50-50 shot, truthfully. So y'all think y'all just go turn it on on the road? I just think in. that the Eagles losing benefited us. I think the Bills embarrassed us, especially how you know the Cowboys have been playing. Um, I just think that they're going to come back with a different – Pep in their step. And we've seen the Cowboys get embarrassed and then what happens? They, they come win back the next and game. Play well. They play well the next game. So I'm not I'm not worried about a repeat of form, performance of the Buffalo game at all. Dolphins at all. Are six and one at home. I just the Dolphins, But against what kind of teams though? Yeah, I, I get that. But the Dolphins and the Cowboys are in similar situations right now. Um the Dolphins don't want to drop any games because they don't want the Bills to keep creeping up and possibly win that division because they got to play each other at the end of the and year. And the Cowboys don't want the Eagles creeping up and winning that division. So this is gonna be so a game. It's gonna be a game amongst games. It's a battle. I, I wasn't gonna go to that game. I might pull up now. Listen, it's gonna be a good one. Um, yeah, it's it's gonna be a good one. So listen, that game goes down Christmas Eve, uh, mm. four twenty-five p.m. down here in the three hundred five. And uh, when we come back that week after Christmas, I'm either going to be very happy <laughs> or I'm going to be very sad. So we shall see. Um, all right. We're going to go ahead and switch gears a little bit to talk about. I just. <laughs> this might be one of the dumbest tweets I've ever like had the displeasure of coming across. But here we go. Um, Richard Mendenhall. We can go ahead and thank him for this next topic. Um, it's no question that the NFL needs to improve, ha- needs ideas on how to improve the Pro Bowl, and they've been dabbling in ways to do that. Different competitions, flag football, dodge, you know, dodgeball, and the skills challenge, and everything in between. Um, but Mendenhall has a suggestion for making a game or making the game, meaning the Pro Bowl game, black versus white players. Um, here's the tweet. He said, "Quote." I'm sick of average white guys commenting on football. Y'all not even good at football. Can we please replace the Pro Bowl with an all-black versus all-white bowl so these cats can stop trying to teach me who's good at football? I'm better than your goat. Well, J.J. Watt came across the tweet like many of us did, and uh, he had some fun with his answer, and he said, quote, We get cooked at corner, not going to lie. Nobody (laughs) on our squad is covering Tyreek. Now, granted, 
I don't think most black guys can cover Tyreek. Exactly. So I don't think that has anything to do with race. Um, I mean, B-Flo, what do you make of the segregation yeah, bowl? Like, just, how you feel about this? It's just weird. <laughs> it's, I, I feel weird talking about the it. The segregation like, bowl. Like, what is it, the 1950s? This is <laughs> stupid. Go ahead. Nah, this is weird. I don't know why Mendenhall even put this out. Um, obviously, no matter what color race you are, like, they ball us at every position. But like J.J. Watt mentioned, corner is the only position because – you got Harrison Smith at safety be doing his thing. Mm-hmm. They got the linebackers. They got D-linemen. Like, it's, I don't know, it's weird. I don't even really want to talk about no segregation. No, it's though. honestly, like, I mean, yeah, for real. It's very ignorant. It was an ignorant statement. Um, I don't think race has anything to do with your ability to, co- first, it's like, if you're a woman, you can't talk about football. But now if you're a man, but a white guy, you can't talk about football. Like, it's just. I it's don't just, even agree with It's the, just weird. There have been, there have been white football players who are Ball, like Tom Brady is a white guy. Yeah. Like, what are we talking about? Yeah. Dan Marino, white guy. Like, yeah. we're. I mean, yes, there are positions in football that primarily are occupied. But I, I guess if you want to go ahead and dictate it to a race, you know, when you talk when you think of like the best of the best of certain positions, mm-hmm. maybe mo- they lean towards one side or the other. But there are ballers who are wide receivers that they're white guy. Cooper Cup is a white guy. Like, Adam Thielen. Adam Thielen, a white guy. Matt Crosby's a white guy. Kelsey and Kittle, the tight end. Travis Kelsey is a white guy. Like, what are we talking about here? Like, what are we doing? J.J. Watt, white guy. Like, I don't understand the correlation between the race and the football. Like, it's so irrelevant. It's so ignorant. This would never happen in the NFL, like a black versus white pro bowl. It would be so just... I don't even like the comment where it's he's ugly. saying... It would be so going backwards. It would just be yeah. progressive. It would be stupid. It's stupid. The comment of like they like average white guys commenting on sports or whatever, I don't feel like you got to play sports to be able to comment on sports. Like If you know the game, mm-hmm. you watch the game, you can study and like dissect the game, Like should be able to comment on it. So And I think there's also... And, you know, um, Brandon and I have gotten into this a few times... Um, as everyone who watches the show knows, um, I think that there are different lanes when it comes to, you know, sports media. So, mm-hmm. for example, there are analysts who truly, like, break down the game, like a Dan Orlowski. Like, mm-hmm. they're breaking down film. I can do that to a degree, but I could never do that to a level of a guy who actually played the game. Yeah. I wouldn't even attempt to. Like, I just sit back and I listen. Like, when you and Brandon start going into the X's and O's, like... I'm not even going to sit here and lie to y'all. I follow most of it, <laughs> and then sometimes they lose me. It is what it is. I never played football, only in my head. Yeah. But that's fine because there are other aspects of media that you can dive into. There's narrative storylines. There's interview storyline. There's interview aspects. There's giving your opinion. You don't have to be a football player to give your opinion on what you see. Exactly. Like One of my favorite sayings is, I don't need to know how to bake a cake to tell you that it's not good. Yeah. I don't need to tell you how you did it. I like that one. I can just tell you, okay, the cake's just not good. So while I understand that when there are aspects of, you know, when media personalities start dabbling into certain things and that they may not be um, knowledgeable in, I can understand former athletes feeling a type of way about that because it's like, how are you going to tell me that I didn't run this route correctly? Like, you do it. That like, yeah. I get that. 
But by saying so-and-so is not a franchise quarterback, I don't need to play the game to know that Zach Wilson is not a franchise quarterback. Like, I, that, that, there's no correlation between there. So there's lines. Um, and I also think that I don't like when the Cam Newton situation happened, like when Cam was calling certain guys game managers. Mm-hmm. You can disagree with that. Like, listen, we had that conversation on the show. I disagreed with that, especially when he came from my quarterback. Like, but I'll never say that Cam's not even quali- going Cam's not qualified to give his opinion. <laughs> Wait, he played he a he's a freaking NFL MVP. Like, who the hell am I to say he's not qualified? So I think that that's where former athletes are also uh-huh. like, how are you going to tell me that I'm not qualified? You never played football. So I think that you can disagree with someone's opinion, but you should never, especially when you've never played the game, disqualify them from giving theirs. And I think that's where the the contention comes from between media and player. You broke it down perfectly. Like, everybody wear different hats, right? Right. Like, a lot of us can't do what you do. And like you said, you can't do what a lot of us do when it's going on the field, breaking down things, knowing what a guy Hold on now. I can run a route. Don't try it. Uh, don't try me i didn't say you can't <laughs> run a route like technically you can run it but <laughs> i can run a route my hands be, don't try it uh, uh. but now nah, you you hit on it perfectly so we'll i mean where do it. you feel about you know obviously entering the media game but as a former athlete like how do you feel about the relationship do you feel that a lot of media may discredit athletes when it comes to their opinions in the in the media space because it's like well this is my domain but not realizing like yeah maybe i don't have a journalism degree but i actually like lived this life for 10 plus years you know what the ones i've been around like i've been on set with Stephen a before i've been on set with uh nick wright i love nick wright oh, nick wright's a cool guy i yeah. love nick wright um they actually they actually value our opinion because they know we see the game a different way than they do. Mm-hmm. And Stephen A says it still to this day all the time. Like, yo, when y'all get to talk about this, I got to stay out of it. Because y'all know that way more than I do. And he's mm-hmm. been around the sport for so long. So it's a lot of heavy hitters in the game that do respect um, our, our voice. And I just wish a lot of us have more opportunity, you know, to express our voice and it be credible to the outside world. I don't think it's the actual analysts and the journalists I think is more fans really yeah 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 I mean I think that um you know the Cam Newton thing definitely puts himself into perspective I actually wasn't you know listen I was the first person who even I went on Twitter and I was like listen I disagree with what Cam said but what did you disagree with so here's the thing I don't I disagree with that that I don't disagree with all the quarterbacks that he named and again we had this conversation on the show so we can dive into it really quickly First of all, I think that a lot of people took game manager as a bad thing. Yeah, it's not a bad thing. I didn't take it as that either. I don't think Dak qualifies for that. And even Cam was like, yeah, I shouldn't have thrown Dak in there. He doesn't really fit that profile. So that was the only thing I disagreed with was was him mentioning Dak. But when it comes to being a game manager, the way I I explained it on the show like a a couple days ago when we had the conversation was I don't think what he's saying was a bad thing. I think what he is saying is that some systems, some teams aren't really reliant on you having this like goat quarterback, like because the team can survive. The team has, is an offense 
that all you need is somebody to manage the game. All you need is someone to be able to go ahead and throw. Like, for example, Jimmy Garoppolo, when he played for the 49ers, was a game manager. You weren't winning. game manager different. You weren't playing. You weren't, but what I'm saying is you weren't winning because of Garoppolo. You were winning because of the team, the system of the 49ers. But you still needed Garoppolo to complete passes. You still needed him to go ahead and be involved with the game. But you weren't winning because of him. All Cam was saying, the way I took it, was that there are quarterbacks that you can, that you simply need to help facilitate the offense, but you don't need them to go out there and be Patrick Mahomes. They're not going to win because of I took it as something different. I took, it as, I took it as, so for me, a game manager isn't someone that just has to play in the system and they win just not because of the quarterback. I look at a game manager as you're not going to try to do too much. You go take what the defense give you. You go stay with inside the system. You're not going to run. That's what I meant. We're saying the same thing. So, so for me, yeah. I think Tom Brady is a game manager. Oh, no, 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 no. He's the best game manager that ever no, played this I, game. Uh -uh. I'm going to tell you why. Uh -uh, I'm going to tell you why. You're crazy. Go ahead. But you're crazy. Again, game manager isn't a bad thing. This is why I say Tom Brady is a game manager. He's never going to force anything um, on the opposing defense. If the opposing defense say, yo, we're going to make you check it down right here, he'll throw it to the running back in the flats seven times in a row. He uh -huh. don't care about driving the ball downfield in double coverage. As uh -huh. you seen Jalen Hurts do last night and he get picked. Uh -huh. If he got to run the ball ten times in a row, he going to say, hey, it's a too high safety. I'm running the ball ten times in a row. Uh -huh. My outside receivers might not even get a pass thrown to them all game. I'm going to work the middle with Grunk. Like I'm throwing to my tight end. Whatever the defense give me, uh -huh. that's what I'm going to go out and I'm going to attack them with. To me, that's a manager. Like Patrick Mahomes or all these other type quarterbacks, maybe even a Joe Burrow or especially Josh Allen, they don't care if they got double coverage. Like, yo, we're going to give them a chance. We're throwing a double coverage. I got to feed this guy with Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. Even though he double covered, I'm going to throw it to his back shoulder and I'm going to force something in there. Those are guys that try to make it work with their ability or their arm strength and their trust in their arm strength. With me, a game manager is just playing inside your system and giving what I, the opposing defense give you and operate it flawlessly. For me, I don't put Brady. I'm not mad at you putting Brady in that conversation. Maybe he's a little bit of a hybrid. For me, Brady's a game changer because you win because of Brady. You win because of what he's You win in. because he's not going to make mistakes. No, but you also win because he's going to do more than what the game plan is like he sees things. no i don't agree with he that. sees like he doesn't have to be fed what to do he sees things before they happen his iq is is top tier like to me that's not a game manager to me a game manager is like a jimmy garoppolo type player who all he needs to do is just enough so the offense can cook just enough so the system can thrive the system that really doesn't need an exceptional quarterback in it like there are some systems like that. Like San Francisco, that system is essentially perfect for a game manager because you don't have to do too much. The system does the work. Whereas if you look at like a Kansas City, Patrick Mahomes it's is the system. He's the game changer. I feel like, yes, to a degree, the system in New England for many seasons, the system was the system. But I also think that even if you put another quarterback in that system, you wouldn't have gotten the same results. Like, no, you because wouldn't Brady's because the game he wouldn't changer. do it. Yeah, he's, it's hard because he is a game changer and a different quarterback wouldn't have operated it in that manner. But again, he did exactly what Josh McDaniels and that offense needed him to do. He didn't go outside of the system. 
And is, does that make him a game manager? He's like, yo, I'm not going outside of the system. He's not going to be Peyton Manning at the line of scrimmage and be like, yo, we checking this route, we checking this route, we checking this route. I see the defense giving me this. He's like, yo, I see what we got. I might make one, maybe two audibles, and I'm going to just keep giving you what you give us. I'm not saying that. They, I'm just saying for me, Brady's the difference maker. Brady Brady is a, is not... I, when I think of game I think Purdy is a difference maker. So you think Purdy is a difference maker, but not Tom Brady? No, they both are. I'm just saying, if you want to give Brady that Brady, credit. I think if, if Purdy's Brady, a game manager. Tom Brady's no. a game changer. If you give Brady, no way. If you give Brady that credit of being a game changer, you got you to give it to Purdy. Because ever since Purdy stepped behind center, like he's taken his team to a whole nother level. Jimmy G couldn't do it. He's a game manager. He couldn't do Jimmy, it. Jimmy G is a well. Jimmy G is a game manager, but he also doesn't have the the skill of Brock Purdy. It, there's levels to being game managers. But what I'm saying is, Brady is a game changer in the sense that if okay, if Brock Purdy has the ball in his hand last, like last, go win it. Are you are you nervous? No, he's gonna win it. When Brady had the ball in his hand last, are you nervous? No, I'm saying uh, that's if a game changer to no, me. No, I think I feel just as confident as I would with Brady, as I would with Brock Purdy. Not saying he's gonna win as many championships, but all Brock Purdy gave us since he's been behind center is excellent football play. They were the hottest team in the NFC until he got hurt last year in the playoffs. That's the only reason Philly beat him. And Debo told you if we'd have had Purdy, what about Brady and, and Tampa? You thought no, game manager? No, no, I'm not taking anything away from Brady. Brady is the greatest quarterback that ever played football. But I think the way he played the game, even in Tampa, well, Tampa, it was a little bit, it was a little bit different. Like, he, <sighs> he came into his own in Tampa a little bit because he had Mike Evans and he made it work on the outside. He gave Mike Evans more opportunities on the outside, right, to make plays. But Brock Purdy, what would make you feel like Brock Purdy isn't a game manager if you go and win a Super Bowl this year? Because no, what else can he do? For me, I feel like Brock Pur I'm not taking anything from Brock Purdy. I think that he's better than a lot of people may have thought that he was when he first, well, from last season. But for me, the 49ers is a system where you can have an average, and this is, I'm not saying that, I'm Every not saying that, I'm not saying that Brock Purdy, I'm not saying that Brock Purdy is in this category, but I'm saying if you have a quarterback with a, an average level of skill, the system can still thrive because the, it's not built around the quarterback. Whereas a system like Kansas City has, you can't just put any quarterback in them. Their system is Patrick Holmes. He is the game changer. When we're talking about the Patriots, there may have been seasons where Brady was more of a game manager because the team was stacked. I, I won't take that away from, you know, the rest of the team, and I won't take that away from your point. But I'm saying overall, Brady is a game changer. Brady was Brady saw things develop on that field before they even happened. Brady saw things transpire before the rest of the team saw them transpire. That is the definition of a game changer. You win because of him you don't win just with him doing just him playing average you win because he is him and he was him that's a game changer that's why you compare Patrick Mahomes to him because Patrick Mahomes also is a game changer I I have to we got to agree that's to okay disagree we can agree that. to disagree because my only thing is you never seen a quarterback go into that system with Shanahan and look like Brock Purdy 
Even I love Patrick Mahomes, second greatest quarterback to play the game to me right now. He might still surpass Tom Brady. But when Patrick Mahomes went out on his ankle injury and their backup had to come in, whether it's regular season or playoffs, he marched the ball right down as if he was Patrick Mahomes. We can agree that Brady's, it was no maybe we can agree that Brady's a little bit of both. You said it as a hybrid, so he's a hybrid. I, I he's go a changer with it. and he's a manager. Speaking speaking of game changers, game managers, we're gonna move on to a quarterback who just won't go away, even though he's not playing. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers. Here we go. The Jets are officially eliminated from the playoffs on Sunday, but that doesn't seem to deter Aaron Rodgers from returning to the team this season. Now, New York has until tomorrow, Wednesday, to activate Rodgers ahead of their matchup against Washington. And here's what Robert Sala had to say when speaking to reporters. Listen to this. I know Aaron has been fighting his tail off to get back. He wants to play. He's willing to play even if he's not even 100%. And he is fighting like mad to get onto the football field. And and like I said, when we get that doctor's note, we'll have that discussion. But I will speak for him and that his desire to play is, is high. I get it. I'm sorry. I get it. Ash, when you're an athlete and you're used to playing football, the worst thing in the world is sitting on the sideline on game day after you've been in the meetings all week, just going in the meetings, stand on the side in practice. Yeah, he said he participates sometime in practice, but it's nothing more boring than being in a facility for eight hours to 10 hours to 12 hours a day, and you're doing everything the team do, but go out on the field and play Sunday, which is the fun part. He like, yo, like, I don't care if it's two or three games left. Like, let me go get some of this. Like, let me go out here and throw the ball. Let me actually go out here and see what I need to let you guys know what we need to draft next year. Because it's one thing, I mentioned this yesterday, it's one thing from playing in training camp and in a preseason, and then when the live bullets are going in December. He need to know, like, yo, we need a tight end. We need another X receiver. We go, Williams, yo, we need another right tackle. I know we need a left tackle. We need a right tackle, too. He just needs to go out and feel this team for himself. Because sitting on the sideline is frustrating. You've seen his look last week on the sideline. Well, yeah, this past Sunday on the sideline. It just was like, yo, what are we doing? Like, I'm just sitting here. I feel helpless. I'm not helping. I got to witness this. Like, let me go out here and make some shake. We can have some kind of vibe coming into next year. Some kind of just reasoning of the Jets fan base feeling like, yo, next year, ah, yeah. So I get it, Aaron Rodgers. Like, let's go. I don't care. Like, I don't care. Play, don't play, show up. What? Don't show up. You'd like, be glued to the TV if Aaron Rodgers came and he suited up and I he was I promise I don't care. Like, you're eliminated. Like, you're playing for what? I know how Aaron Rodgers plays football. Not I don't need to watch him in a Jets uniform Jets. when the team's eliminated in a meaningless game. The games mean nothing at this point for them. Nah. Every- it's not, it'd be more exciting if Aaron Rodgers was coming back because, like, they were on the cusp of of the wild card or they were on the cusp of entering the playoffs and here comes Aaron Rodgers with the cape and we're all watching, oh my God, is he going to get hurt again or is he actually going to do it? We're talking about a team that's eliminated. Eliminated. Definition of eliminated. Being removed from. 
the playoffs. There is absolutely nothing that Aaron Rodgers is going to do for this team this season. I know how Aaron Rodgers plays. Give them hope. I watched him years in Green Bay. Hope for what? They'll be in Cancun in three weeks. <laughs> for next season. It doesn't matter. Oh, my mean? God, next season. We're not even in the new year yet. It's like these guys, will, it doesn't matter. They're going to be on vacation in three weeks. I don't care. So if Aaron Rodgers wants to go ahead and prove that he is a man of modern medicine and he is the prototype and he's better than – do it. Aaron, don't We need care. this for football. Don't It'll be care. 99.9% of football fans watching every snap if Aaron Rodgers came back. That – 0.01% goes to Ash not watching. And I, I, and I think she lying. She'll think be flipping between the Cowboys really, and the Jets I think fans you are really like overestimating people's care about this. There are a lot of football fans, many of them are in the chat right now, who don't care. This is a team that Nobody was a Super cares. Bowl come back. Don't come back. <laughs> don't care. Don't care. This is a team that was a Super Bowl contender. If they come back, and let's just say, they win each game. Let's just say Rodgers played this week, which I know he won't. He probably played the last two games. But let's just say these last three games he played, they win by double digits. Like, that's a story. That's a feel. Like, I couldn't. I, really? I can't wait until the Jets take the field that's next a, year. That's a story? That's a story. What's that going to do for them? Are they going to go to the playoffs because of that? Nah, but they'll so know what winning, kind of team so they're working with so next they're year. They're winning a meaningless. So it's Aaron Rodgers comes back, wins by double digits in a meaningless game. Everything means something, just like an in-game tournament in the NBA. Like everything means something. <sighs> okay. I want to see it. Don't care. <laughs> come back. Don't come back. Don't care. It's Aaron Rodgers though. It's not. I like... love Aaron Rodgers. I'm an Aaron Rodgers fan. But we're talking about him coming back to play for a team that's eliminated for the playoffs and that's supposed to like rile something up in my spirit like i'm supposed to be like oh my god i can't wait to see and he's playing washington do you really like we're we're acting like brady is coming out of retirement same thing it's not the same thing next topic we're moving on i don't care i don't care the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards the longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards why bring this up because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Speaking of Brady, this is something I care about. Shout out to Tom Brady. Um... Now, one of the big stories over the weekend was the controversial hit. I don't know if you actually saw this, but uh, made by Steelers safety DeMonte Kaze on Colts receiver Michael Pittman. Now, if you haven't seen the hit, definitely Google it. Now, Kaze launches into a diving Pittman and leads to Pittman leaving the game with a concussion. Well, the NFL thought that the hit was bad enough to suspend Kaze for the rest of the season. Now, Tom Brady actually offered his thoughts on the situation and to sum it up, basically blames quarterbacks for putting receivers in dangerous situations and said that putting the blame on defensive players is all time wrong. Now, Brady's been very outspoken about, you know, the NFL and the state of the NFL, um, you know, in the, in the modern since retiring. And LT was actually on his podcast and said, look, I don't even think I could play 
in this type of format because I would owe the NFL so much money in fines and things like that just because of how aggressively he played. Tom Brady also questioned, um, you know, the dedication of some of these guys and, you know, the the specialness of, of, you know, some of the players like we've we've seen when he was playing and things or the eliteness rather was the word he used. Um, but specifically about this, we've actually been talking about this a lot on this show because everybody from Michael Evans, Mike Evans and you know, some other players have given their thoughts on the calls that referees make in games. And specifically, you know, we talk about this often. It seems that defensive players are afraid to play defense because of how strict it has become in the NFL to do such that. Now, we understand that, you know, as science and technology increases, we learn more about the game and the effects that it has on the body, and you're trying to preserve the quality of life of these guys. We get that. But don't you feel, or do you feel, rather, that it's gotten too far to one side that as a defensive player you can barely even do your job anymore? No, 100%. Tom Brady's right. It's I, I played in an era that Brady played in. Mm -hmm. Quarterbacks would know, even from practice, don't throw the ball across the middle or don't throw it in certain areas on the field because you would get your receiver head knocked off. And if a receiver felt like he hit, he'll let the quarterback know. Like, yo, you get me hit again, mm -hmm. when we get to the locker room, like it's going to be you getting knocked out, not me. Mm -hmm. So that not only made it harder for quarterbacks, but it made everybody just respect the game. Um. My thing is, how can this defender knock the ball out if he's not going to hit him the way he did? Because you're taught at an early age, if you think too much trying to make a tackle or a hit, trying to protect someone on the field, that's when you hurt yourself. So you have to play the game full speed. If you don't, you'll be the one with the concussion or like it can get even worse. So you got to play the game full speed. You don't got time to think like, oh, he's falling. Let me position myself this way. So I think it's terrible that he got suspended for the rest of the season. He's going to get suspended without pay. Like, that adds up. Like, just taking that money out of people's pocket. But at the end of the day, I do understand that they're trying to clean the game up because you have so many lawsuits. Mm -hmm. You have so many guys dealing with uh, all these injuries to the brain that affects them after football. Mm -hmm. See, right now we're talking about a guy not getting paid for three weeks, but we're not going to talk about the guy that's getting hit. And maybe four years from now, he can't remember his kid's name. Mm -hmm. So that's the other side of the conversation. Uh, other side of the conversation that we don't get to see because a lot of guys deal with these situations um, privately mm -hmm. and we don't read about it until you see their name across the news when something bad has happened mm -hmm. because they suffered these injuries. So I can see both sides of it. So I don't I mean, know. We, I still think it goes back into that's part of the game. Like quarterbacks, we, you should know not to set your guys up that way. Right. Like, and I think, you know, Mike Evans spoke to Brandon about this and he basically said like, you know, this is football and guys who play this game know to a degree what comes with it. Exactly. And by taking away so many different aspects of it, you're taking away the game that we've been taught to play how we've been taught to play it. And we spoke about Kareem Jackson and, you know, his meeting with Roger Goodell about repeated illegal hits. And Jackson basically was told by Goodell that it's his responsibility for the safety of offensive players. So that goes against what Brady is saying, which is that it's the, it's the responsibility of the offense, specifically the quarterback, to protect his guys. So what do you make of what Goodell told Kareem Jackson? You, 
he's so wrong. Because if we don't go out and we never want to hurt someone, right? Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, we know what we signed up for. If it happened, it happened. I got to protect myself. Because if I'm not protecting myself and not hitting you as hard as I can, mm -hmm. then you're going to hit, you'll put your helmet in me hard as you can. Mm -hmm. So, like I said before, in that situation, the defensive player would be hurt. And I guarantee you every receiver running back would rather get hit in the chest, the neck, the head, rather than getting hit in their knee. Mm -hmm. Because they get hit in their knee the wrong way, their career is over like this. Rather they played a year, two years, five years, they can be on the year they deal. And if receivers start going across the middle and every time they get hit, it's a knee injury like a ACL, MCL, whatever it is, I guarantee you they would want the rule to change, saying like, yo, we'll sign a waiver or something saying that I can get hit up high because I'd rather have my knees not be able to walk again and play with my kids and run and just live a normal life with my limbs on my lower body rather than worrying about me getting hit in the chest and neck area. I mean, I definitely think it's interesting. Like I said, I, I agree with some of the changes that have been made um, in the NFL because it's about preserving the quality of life of these players post-career. But I do think that there needs to be some adjustments made. You know, I think that some of these roughing the passer calls are ridiculous. Crazy. It's like, insane. you can't even sneeze on a quarterback without getting a roughing the passer. You can't fall on him with all your weight. Not like, only that, but on. it's like, how is it roughing the passer when the quarterback leaves the pocket? Yeah. What you want me to do, just let him run? Yeah. Like, it, it's it's some of that. Um, you know, some of these, you know, illegal hits that are being called are football hits. You know, some of these hits to the head aren't really hits to the head. They're hits with the shoulder that in slow-mo are fast enough. It looks like a hit to a head. It's, you know, it's just, it's making it difficult for a defensive player to play defense. And sometimes you even see it in games. And as fans, you get frustrated because you want your defense to play defense, but you also have to remember they're thinking like, okay, I want to go with the quarterback, but if I go ahead and go with the quarterback, this might be roughing the passer. Now my team has a 15-yard penalty that they got to deal with, and I just put them in a tough situation. It's, it's, it's making it hard to play defense as a defensive player, so there needs to be some level of adjustment made. Otherwise, we might as well just make this flag football. I agree. I agree with Brady, what you said. It's the quarterback's job to protect his receivers. It has nothing to do with us on the defensive end. Our job is to knock that ball out any way possible. So if I got to come across your chest, nah, I'm going to do that every time. So quarterbacks protect your receivers. Well, we're going to move on to a team. Well, Brandon Marshall's not here, so we're not going to hop on the Brandon Broncos bandwagon. But we are going to talk about the Denver Broncos because they are back to uh, – their form that we said that they would be in. <laughs> He's not here to go ahead and put their his cape on for the Broncos and Russell Wilson, but pretty sure that B-Flo and I said at, out of the last stretch of games that they had, they were probably going to lose two or three of yeah. them, right? I believe they lost to the Houston Texans. We called that. Brandon said, ain't no way we're losing to the Texans. <laughs> you lost. And I think also we said they were going to lose to the Detroit Lions. And, well, they did. 42-17 to 17, to be exact. And uh, the moment that many are talking about is when Sean Payton was seen yelling at Russell Wilson on the sideline. Now, Payton said Monday, yesterday, that it was just a heat of the moment situation and the two of them are actually good. Should we make anything of the situation between these two guys? Or is this just a coach quarterback? Uh, it's, it's a little... Uh, 
Coaches yell at us all the time behind uh-huh. closed doors. Like in practice, this happens all the time. Like it gets even worse, right? Especially when you got quarterbacks, or well, coaches that care like Sean Payton, right? Like it gets more intense than this behind closed doors. But you never really see a coach get after his players, especially a quarterback. Especially their franchise Their franchise quarterback. Like, quarterback like, like this. Fame this is not his first time. This is not his first right. time this year doing it. I think Russell Wilson just frustrates Sean Payton so much because Sean Payton and his system is getting the ball out quick. Hey, when the defense gives you this, we're going to this guy. It's for a reason because I'm setting something up later on in the game that's going to be a big play for us. And how Russ has been playing well is he's been going back to Seattle Russ. He'll take his time in the pocket. He'll mm-hmm. scramble. He'll spin out. He'll make a nice throw. And that's what makes Russ great. But Sean Payton like, yo, I don't care about you you doing you. This is like something that I'm setting up all game. It's very methodical. I thought about this game plan for two weeks straight to play this team, and I need you to do what I asked you to do. So for the fact that Sean Payton is this vocal in front of everybody about the franchise quarterback, I think it's a little smoke or a fire with a smoke is, smoke with a fire is, however you're supposed to say it, in this situation because you've never seen him come at Breeze like this. You never seen well, him. Well, Breeze played into his system, though. And I think that also they went through that era together from start to finish. I think also Russell Wilson, it, it, it may seem a little, oh, my God, like what's going on here? Because you got to remember, Russell came from Seattle where Pete Carroll was almost like his protector. Mm-hmm. You know, Brandon spoken about that, how he shielded. Russell Wilson from a lot of the rest of the team. And you even hear some of his former teammates say that they didn't really have a relationship with Pete Carroll or Russell Wilson because he was almost like protected by Pete Carroll. Like, this is this is mine. Like, mm-hmm. don't talk to him. You talk to me and I'll talk to him type thing. So yeah. with Sean Payton, he moves completely different. And I think that maybe for Russell, it's also an adjustment because he's used to being in a system where he's coddled as the franchise quarterback. And Sean Payton's like, I don't really care. Like, this is how I feel. Like, this is what we're going to do. And I think it's unfair to compare Russell to Breeze because, again, like I said, Breeze and Sean Payton went from start to finish in that system. But even when Taysom Hill was that quarterback, you didn't see Sean going But Taysom Hill also, like, played into his system. So it's like there was really nothing to – Yeah, they'll have disagreements about maybe, like, how he moved. But it's like he played into the system. Russell came into this Broncos system with a a clear identity of – who he is as a quarterback. Mm -hmm. And that goes against directly how Sean Payton runs his teams, runs his offense. So it's a constant this. I'm going to be interested to see who leaves first, (laughs) truthfully. Sean Payton not going nowhere. Because I just don't see how this... Russell Wilson's not 25 years old. He's a 30-something-year-old quarterback who's very used to playing the way that he's always played. Mm -hmm. And that's not a bad thing. That's not to say that how he plays is wrong, but it just it's wrong for how Sean Payton likes his teams run. But then again, you can't really expect a leper to change their spots when they're 30 something years old. He's been playing like this his entire career. It's not that easy to just go ahead and mold the clay and create and develop a new quarterback and break all the habits that he's had his entire career. And I don't really know what Sean Payton expected of Russell Wilson when he took this job. In part, I can understand his frustration, but it's also like, bro, you knew what it was when you signed <laughs> up. Like you, every knew the coach co- feel like he can get a player to buy in, though. Like, yeah, but oh, you I'm knew that you weren't getting a. I'm using Justin Fields because he's younger. You weren't getting a Justin Fields where it's like, yeah, he has habits, but he's still young enough where you can formulate those habits yeah. to benefit your system. 
you're getting Russell Wilson, who's been to a Super Bowl, won a Super Bowl, been to two Super Bowls, won a Super Bowl, has all the success playing a specific type of way, is more towards the end of his career than the beginning, even the middle of his career. What did you expect for him? That he was just going to flip a switch and be a different type of quarterback? He might have thought, I'm only going to have two years with Russ. And then I'm telling Elway, when I'm coming in here, if it don't work these two years with Russ, like you have to let me pick the quarterback I want. Because I already had a defense in place. I'm going to need to put in the quarterback position who I think can thrive. And Russell Wilson, if you see him in interviews and you just see how he is, you'll feel like he's a team first guy. If you don't hear the stories from players, no, you're like, yo, he's a team first guy. So Peyton feeling like he's going to buy into the system. I'm coming in with my accolades. He's he, Russell Wilson. He thought he was going to be able to tell him, you're similar in stature, you know, trust me, this will work. I'm going to fix you. I'm going to get this right. But it's not happening. Russell is playing his way. And I don't even think it's the worst. I it's feel not like the worst. It just doesn't work for how Sean Payton wants to play. But what do they say? You can't teach an old dog new tricks. Like, it's just that time of Sean Payton would, like, be better off trying to adjust how he runs his offense based mm -hmm. on how Russell Wilson plays. That's the only formula for success. You trying to recreate a quarterback at this stage in his career is not going to work. The thing is, it's, they he can, is who he is. And there's nothing wrong with who he is. It just doesn't work with what you want. Work. So what are you going to do? You're going to keep trying to fit a triangle into a circle peg, like or a triangle peg into a circle spot, or are you going to try to meet him somewhere in the middle? Like Those are your only two options. I think they go going good a quarterback this year. Oh, my God. It, it might not be first round. If it's one around the second round that dropped, I wouldn't be surprised if Sean Payton when they got a quarterback. And even though Russell Wilson is on the roster, he's going to tell him, like, look, this is how Russ doing it. Do not do it this way. This is what I want from you. This is what I want you to do in practice. He's going to mold the next have, guy yeah, up. Yeah, he's going to mold the next guy. This is what I want. This is what I don't want. He has to. Head coaches don't have that long of a lifespan in the NFL no more, even if it's Sean Payton. Listen, we're going to see. But speaking of quarterback franchise relationship, we're going to go ahead and head to Chicago real quick because Justin Fields uh, dropped a Hail Mary um, well, he was a Hail Mary away, rather, from leading the Chicago Bears to another win on Sunday. But instead, Chicago is all but dead in the playoff race after dropping to 5-9. and nine. Now, the future of Justin Fields in Chicago has remained a hot topic all season long. But listen to DJ Moore when asked about this very thing. I don't know. Y'all asked me that, what, last week? Somebody asked me that last week. I'm still like, bro, where are y'all seeing this? Like, what, what makes him not the quarterback for the Chicago Bears right now? I get y'all got everybody coming out. What, it's like two of them? I don't think they better than Justin, so they cool. Okay. Um, is Justin, and I know, like, on this show I've been – I guess, critical of Justin Holmes and I, Justin Holmes, Justin Fields. And um, to a degree, I still stand by what I said. I still think that there's areas of improvement from his game that I haven't really seen those strides made since he got to Chicago. But there is a strong possibility that it's just not going to happen in Chicago. I still, I believe he's a franchise quarterback. Mm -hmm. I've always said, I believe he's a franchise quarterback. I just don't see the strides in him that make me believe that he is where he needs to be as someone who I believe is a franchise quarterback. But I think that 
In part, I think that Justin Fields hasn't gotten everything he's needed from the Chicago organization. And I've said this time and time again. I think Chicago, the organization from top to bottom, is one of the worst. Um, Brandon has also gone ahead and agreed with that statement. As someone who played for the Chicago Bears, he knows better than I do. So in part, it's not Justin Fields' fault. I, I don't think that they've ever really given him what he's needed to go ahead and make those strides, to go ahead and make that those um, developments in his career. On the other side of that, I can't scapegoat him completely because you can still get better even if you don't have the pieces. I haven't seen much improvement in his game since he landed in Chicago, so I think there's blame on both sides of this conversation. But I think the only thing that you can really go ahead and do in this situation to really see if it's a Justin Fields thing or if it's a Chicago thing is to remove him from Chicago and put him in a different system. If he's in a different system, if he goes to a system like, say, Atlanta, and he still doesn't make those developments in his career, it's a Justin Fields thing. And then maybe a lot of us were wrong about him. But I can't make that assessment completely on one side or the other until I see him someplace that's not Chicago. So it's not a question of if he's skilled enough to be the franchise guy in Chicago. It's just that he's not growing there. He's hit a plateau. And Already I don't, he hit a plateau? He's hit a plateau in Chicago. Like it, he's not growing anymore. He needs to he needs to go elsewhere to grow his game as a quarterback. I don't believe that's happening in Chicago. He's in a new system. This is only year three for him. They got a brand new general manager in Ryan Poles, who I actually like Ryan Poles. As soon as he came in, he tried to get him a weapon from Pittsburgh and Claypool. It just didn't work out. But at least he tried to go out and get Fields a weapon. He had Matt Nagy originally. Now he has somebody else calling the plays. They had their little differences at the beginning of the year. When he got hurt, I was on board with what you were saying. I was like, ah, he kind of getting into it with the head coach. Maybe mm -hmm. it's time for him to go just start over somewhere else. They got to have a top draft pick coming from Carolina. But now, as Brandon mentioned, his couple games he had before he got injured, mm -hmm. and now how he looked when he came back, how the team is rallying around him. Like, the game that he was coming back, his teammates was like, yo, Phil's coming back now. Like, we finna mm -hmm. be cool. So – the way he's a leader in that locker room, I don't care what his little deal is with the coach. It seemed like they kind of got on the same page about it now, at least a little bit, right? But it's not like a – I'm not – I'm not – I agree with you. I think he's well-liked in his locker room. I think he's well-received. I don't I don't ever think that was an issue. You got to give this – you got to give it time. It's been like, three this years. Is, but this is a new regime. But it's this been This is his first years. year. This is the first year with a new regime. He never had weapons. He still – they just got more in. Like now, this is what I'll say. After this year, if they can get a Maserati Marv from Ohio State to come in, who's a valuable weapon, or get one of the LSU receivers to come in. Now, if he's not producing, then yeah. But right now, I see what DJ Moore is saying. I'm not a big fan of Caleb Williams like everybody is. I think he'll be, he'll be okay. He'll be good. Mm -hmm. I think Justin Fields will be ahead of him right now because I was high on Justin Fields when he was coming out of college. Michael Penix Jr. is who I think is the best quarterback in the draft, but he's been injured all his years at Washington, so no one would take him that early, I don't believe, unless they just see what I see. So it makes sense to don't gamble with guys who might not be as good as Fields right but now. Let much, him rock out with his coordinator for one more year. How? Or at least two. Like it takes, so you it want, takes time. So you want to give him five years in this system? I let him to play see out, what, I right let now him play he's, 20, he's 25 years old, right? I let him play out his rookie year deal. Justin Fields is 25? 
Maybe. So um, we're looking at, I believe he's 25. So you want him to remain with Chicago until he's 27 to go ahead and realize that this is just not the he's, team. He's 24. Okay, he's, so He's 26. on the third year of his deal. Like, I next, just, after next year, you'll know if you're going to give him his fifth-year option or not. Like, but you after have to next, know. I don't know. I'm 50-50 on this because I just feel like, I don't feel like Chicago's going to drastically get better next season. I feel like Justin Fields is going to be in the exact same situation he's in this year, maybe with one or two more wins on their record. And I no just, way. And I just, I 100% I do. If he'd have played all season, all, they would have had a shot First of all, they the draft horribly. They draft horribly. They used to draft. They have Ryan Poles now. I what got if, I got faith in Ryan Poles. They drafted. You see them last year. They had Ryan Poles <laughs> last year, right? They draft horribly. Like what I'm saying is, is that I just feel like I kind of equate this. I'm going to use a relationship analogy. Like three years with this one person, you've tried counseling, you've tried this, you've tried that. It's not making the relationship any better. There's something that always goes wrong. It's good for a little while, and then you revert back to old ways. It's good for a little while, and then there's another problem. I just feel like his development, his the strides you want to see him make as a quarterback, I have not seen them since his rookie year. And that may be a Justin Fields thing, or it may be a Justin Fields and Chicago thing. But my question is, is how much longer if you are – I'm not even talking about Chicago because I agree with you. What the hell is Chicago going to do? Like, Chicago's not – at the end of the day, like, Chicago banked a lot on Justin Fields. Like, he is their future. I completely mm -hmm. agree with you there. I'm speaking more about a from a Justin Fields standpoint. How much longer do you want to give an organization that you haven't really grown in? And in three years, you should see some growth in his game. And he looks like the same quarterback he was when he was drafted there. No. How much longer do you want to give this organization to realize that you cannot continue to, you cannot develop to the quarterback you want to be, the quarterback that many people think that you can be in this system? See, How I, many I look years? at it different. Let's just say you're in a relationship. I'm in a relationship with a woman. Mm -hmm. All these things happen in this relationship, right? So I ended it. Mm -hmm. It's there no more. I can't get into a new relationship bringing in that old baggage. If something happened that caused a little bit of turbulence in my new relationship, I can't say, oh, you just like the last one I was with. You can't put that baggage on her. Like, you got to see how this is going to work. You're going to see how. But you she... tried it for three years and it's not working. No, what I'm saying is this is Justin Fields' first year with this regime. But two years, he's, every year he's had some level of a different regime. That's so, why you have to give it time. No, but That's this is I'm my saying. point. Like this, you don't trust Chicago to get it right for him. I don't. Like you've gone through three different regimes in three different in three years since he's been here. So you're trying. And again, Chicago, if you need to like figure it out, do what you got to do. But you're not going to waste my time while you do it. I like, have my rookie year deal. I ain't in a rush. <sighs> I ain't in a rush. Well, you gonna go to a team that's. An even worse franchise. I mean, I don't know. Like Justin Fields and then Atlanta could be better. Or Justin Fields, there's a, a Washington could be better. Like I just feel like Justin Fields' development has hit a plateau in Chicago, and I don't have faith that it gets better. Ryan Poles, let's get it. That it's going to Ryan be Poles. more of the same. And then you look to, then you look back and you have five years with an organization. You're 27 years old. That's young for a quarterback. It's young, but. If you're not making strides and you're not developing in the system that you are in, which I think it's fair to say that he's not, and again, I'm not putting that solely on Justin Fields, then when it's time for you to move on, 
there's you're you you're behind other quarterbacks who have been developing since then because they're in better systems. That's my only concern in this situation I, for him. I'll just say this before we move on. I honestly think the Bears would have made the playoffs if he'd have been healthy all year. Now when they give him one or two offensive linemen next year, they give him Maserati Marf out the draft. I guarantee you the Bears make the playoffs next year. Their division isn't loaded. Detroit is the only sound team in their division right now. And they're not world beaters. Mm. So we'll see. Listen, we're going to go ahead and uh, see what happens with Justin Fields and the Chicago Bears. Um, but it is now time for Yo Rookie, presented by Pepsi Zero Sugar, NFL Rookie of the Week. First and foremost, Congratulations to Giants QB Tommy DeVito, Rookie of the Week in Week 14. Now, DeVito had 71 rushing yards, a touchdown pass to lead the Giants to a big upset over the Packers on Monday Night Football. So salute to Mr. DeVito, his agent, his family, and all of New Jersey and the Italian-Americans worldwide. Hey, Tommy DeVito. You got to do this. (laughs) (laughs) Tommy DeVito. Well done. His agent, like, honestly is comedy. Yeah. And I was telling Brandon, you were, I don't know, somewhere in the Himalayas. (laughs) It reminds me of, like, seeing his family in, like, the stands when they pan to him. It's like my family from Staten Island. Like, it's the most Italian, like, just... The way that they dress, like I think my uncle has a hat like they that. Fully it's just blown Italians. They embrace it. They ain't changing. It was nothing. so funny where like he, was, the agent was on the sideline saying next to Tommy DeVito, and someone did like a, a voiceover or like a quote, and they were like, he's on the phone. He was like, yeah, let me get two veal parms, a chicken parm. <laughs> Yo, Tommy, you want anything? And I'm just like, that's so true. Yeah. To how we move. <laughs> so nah, dope. Tommy DeVito. DeVito. Listen, we're going to go ahead and move on to week 15 because there are a lot of nominees we got to dive into and some new faces. So go ahead and throw them up there, BC. We're going to run through these. All right, a new name on the list. We got Aiden O'Connell, Las Vegas Raiders quarterback. He threw for 248 yards with four touchdowns in the Raiders' week 15 win. We have a name we've seen once or twice here. It's Jameer Gibbs running back for the Detroit Lions. Had 108 scrimmage yards and two touchdowns. We're going to go ahead and move on. Jordan Addison, wide receiver for the Minnesota Vikings. He had six catches for 1,100, I'm sorry, 111 receiving yards and two touchdowns. We're going to go down to Kansas City here, and we have wide receiver Rasheed Rice recorded nine catches for 91 receiving yards and one touchdown in the Chiefs' win. We have a name that we've seen once or twice on here. That's Sam LaPorter, also from the Detroit Lions. He recorded five catches for 56 yards and three touchdowns. And listen, Last night, if you missed it, you missed a good one because we have on our list, rounding out week 15, Seattle receiver Jackson Smith Najigba. He snatched the game-winning touchdown in the final minute of Monday Night Football to stun the Eagles, courtesy of Drew Locke. Um, Brandon, I mean... We got some new names on here. I love to see new guys on. We got some familiar faces. Um... 
What do you make of the Week 15 nominees? No, they all did their thing. Uh, I miss seeing Stroud on there. My boy need to get back in the lineup. That's like the face that you always see on there. Mm -hmm. But now it's always good to see new faces on there. That means these rookies are getting busy. But Jackson Smith on there. Yeah, but man, the game that Jordan Addison had, mm. like that, I know they didn't come away with the win, but it wasn't his fault. Um, he got busy, and he got busy on a great secondary. I think they're top three in passing defense. Mm -hmm. So he's not playing against some scrubs against the like the bottom half or the bottom tier of the NFL. So he's one of those guys that was training um, down here in South Florida. I seen him up close. So just to see it just translate to the field, man, just I got to go with Jordan Addison performance. It was it was deadly. Listen, if you want to go ahead and vote for any of the Week 15 nominees, make sure you head over to NFL.com slash voting slash rookies. That's NFL.com slash voting slash rookies. And this has been Yo Rookie, presented by Pepsi Zero Sugar, NFL Rookie of the Week. <laughs> All right, so listen, um, Christio reminded me that the N in um, Jackson's name is actually silent, so it's in Jigba, okay? So let me go ahead and correct that, in Jigba. Thank you, Christio. We're going to go ahead and close out the show with uh, a little bit of what's the word. Now, I don't know if I need to remind you of the rules, but I'll just do it just in case. I'm going to give you a sentence, and you're going to fill it in with a word, not a phrase, not a <laughs> sentence, not a, you know, a whole sequiliki or summary, essay, short essay, haiku, poem, anything in between. It is a word. You ready? Yeah. Here we go. Starting with. <laughs> okay. The Lakers hung their in-season tournament banner next to their 17 NBA championship banners at Crypto last night during a game against my New York Knicks, which they lost. Shout out to the Knicks. We beat them, baby. Woo, 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 woo. Orange and blue skies, baby. Orange and blue skies. There you go. Um, so the Lakers hanging the first in-season tournament banner is blank. Dope. I think it's like it's super dope. Do you know what the in-game season, what the in-game season tournament really is? It's all all it is is like the AAU championship. All these guys in the NBA, they grew up playing AAU. That's who you know who's the who. All these guys play AAU. That's all the in-game tournament is. They're used to playing these type tournaments. Like, this is what they're going to look for. They're going to be looking forward to this tournament year in, year out. Like, who going to win the in-game tournament? You might look at it right now. It's like, yo, it don't matter. But no, these are nothing but AAU guys. They're not like four-year college guys that played in these systems and played for these national championships. No, they hit one-year college. They used to play in AAU. This is the AAU tournament. They should have just called it that. So five years away from now, that little banner go hold some weight to it. So I'm with it. I think it's dope. <laughs> I want to know what you think about it. The Lakers hanging the Lakers hanging a end season tournament banner is ridiculous. I'll tell you why. You gotta buy in, Ash. I oh my gosh. 
I'm buying in. I bought in. Listen, I was not a fan of the in-season tournament when it first happened. I thought it was dumb. I didn't really get it. I thought it was pointless. And I changed my mind on that. It's entertaining. Adam Silver, well done. Clap it up. You did well, okay? It was entertaining. It made December, late November basketball feel like March, April basketball. It was great. I enjoyed it. I think that there needs to be some tweaks. I don't really like the point differential system. I don't really think that works in basketball. But outside of that... It was enjoyable. The guys bought into it. Even the players who really weren't into it bought into it. So you did good. The trophy is cool. Going to Vegas is cool. You know, the rings that you give out is cool. The half a million dollars is cool. The MVP tournament for the whole in-season tournament is mm-hmm. cool. I don't mind it. Dope. I'm bought into it. You got me. You turned a non-believer into a believer. Banners are for championships. That's a, that's Hold a on. championship. Banners are for world championships. You saw what they're hanging it up to. You're hanging it up to being the best team from start to finish of a season. You're hanging it up with your 17 titles. This is not something that needs to be done. You already gave it all the accolades that I feel like it needed. I just feel like it's a little bit over the top. Franchise there are some things that need to be <laughs> it does kept not hang sacred championships. for actual <laughs> championships. One banner and one banner Banners only, and that's and NBA parades titles. are for and NBA you like titles. It, you think it sucks, Banners you think it's go not up there when you are the Get best team from start to finish of, of a season. I just feel like... By putting up a in-season tournament banner, and then you're putting it up against—I mean, amongst actual NBA titles—it just waters down what it means to win a title. No you don't hang, way. You don't hang up banners for, um, you know, first round of the playoffs, and then you get no. booted out. Like it's just—it's enough. You got the ring, you got the trophy, you got the Vegas, you got the money, you got the MVP trophy. Do you want a parade too? Ash, you've been a dinosaur. All this is is I'll okay, be an elitist. That's fine. <laughs> that's fine. I'll do that. We're gonna compare it to football, right? If the Dallas Cowboys win the NFC East champion, well, they're the NFC East champions. They hanging up a banner, right? That's all this is. All this is is like winning it's not a division. The it's the same thing. It's not the same that's thing. That's what Adam Silver is trying to it's get this to be. It's not the same thing as winning You're, a division. It's not it, even remotely it, close because you get the banner for winning the division from start to finish of a season. You win the division from start to finish of the season. You went through all the teams you that was in the tournament two, You went through during two weeks of, of competitive basketball. It was two weeks out of a whole season. Out of 82 but you were the games. Be- you were the best. Out of 82 games, it was two weeks. That's not even remotely close to winning your division out of 82 games. It means 82 games, you were the best team in that division. That, out of 82 games the plus the playoffs, you were the best team and you won the title. I just feel like we cannot water down what... We cannot water down what it means to win a title. It's apple and and, there, are, and there should be certain things that are reserved only for NBA titles. And for me, banners are for titles. Parades are for titles. They didn't have a parade. Even rings, I feel like, should be for titles. But whatever, they gave out rings. I can go ahead and take an L on that. The banner, and you're hanging up the banner against the world champions. It looks out of place. It looks ridiculous. It doesn't look out of place. It's the same thing as if you go to the Cowboy Stadium and you see an NFC East champions banner. 
It's the same thing. It's not a Super no, Bowl NFC banner. East, it's the same thing. The NFC East dictate. You went indicate, through a gauntlet and you were the You went through a gauntlet for an entire season. We're talking about an ent- 18 weeks of football. You were the best team in your division. That's worthy of a banner. That's worthy of a hat. That's worthy of whatever else you want to get. You were the best consistently for 18 weeks of football. We're talking about hanging a banner for mm-hmm. two weeks of competitive basketball, and now the Lakers are back to their pre-season, their form before the tournament. What are we talking about here? Nah. Come you, on, beef. You'll see in five years it's how much this in-game thing. season is going to take Again, I'm not, the NBA. I'm not saying that people it's just the early stages. I'm not saying people shouldn't buy into it. I think it's great that people are buying into it. Again, Adam Silver turned me from a non-believer to a believer. Me and Stack were hating on it since we heard the idea. I just feel like banners are sacred for titles. And titles are one start to finish of a season and then the playoffs. Titles get parades. Titles get banners. When you're when you the first game of the new season, when you're standing there, you get your ring and they drop the world champion banner, you know that you were the best team that year. That what the hell is that? In-season tournament champions? It looks crazy. It's the accolade Michael Jordan don't have that LeBron has. God. And that's why he's the GOAT. Let's go. I'm moving on. I can't. This is frustrating <laughs> me. It's making me mad. All right. Um, Listen, now to Pittsburgh. All right, Mike Tomlin announced that the struggling Steelers will start Mason Rudolph in Week 16. So, B-Flow, the Steelers starting Rudolph is? Insane. There's no way Mason Rudolph is going to play better than Mitch Trubisky. For me, you have to just hope Mitch Trubisky kind of figure it out. I said... The Steelers, when we had this one word deal back when he when Mitch Trubisky became the starter, I said the Steelers season was over because Mitch Trubisky was in there. And I was right. But if you're the Steelers, you just gotta hope he figure it out. Cause Mason Rudolph, you tried this already. Hmm. Like it's not a quarterback from a new system you're trying to bring in and see if he fits your system. Like you know what you're getting out of Mason Rudolph. Mm-hmm. So why even go there if you're still trying to compete to be in the playoffs? Just hope. Trubisky is saying, hey, I'm getting the feel of the team. I'm get, Well, my receivers, I'm getting the feel of the game. Like, I can make some kind of run at the end of the season to win these three games. Because Mason Rudolph, I'm sorry, he's not going to be it. I think he's going to be worse than Mitchell uh, Trubisky. And this is going to be the first season that Mike Tomlin is not going to go 500. Well, we shall see. Listen, we're going to go rapid fire through these because I want to get through them before the show ends. Um, Lamar Jackson, the Ravens confirmed what we all feared, and that is that Keaton Mitchell left the game on Sunday night, and now we know that he tore his ACL and is done for the season. So that's huge loss for the Baltimore Ravens. So Lamar will be blank without Mitchell. He'll be fine without Mitchell. He just turned into the old Lamar because the Ravens got to have a running game. They, They got to have a running game. Lamar is a player that has that it factor. He will try to, the first quarter of this next game, he will go about trying to be the new Lamar and stay in the pocket. But when he see you don't have a run game, the Ravens are going to the offense where they have to use Lamar as his running game. He's going to break a 20-yarder, a 30-yarder, a 15-yarder, and he's going to go, oh, Lamar. And that's kind of what defensive masterminds and defensive coordinators didn't want Lamar to do 
because it's a headache when it comes into game planning. Mm-hmm. So Lamar be fine without Mitchell. He's just going to turn into MVP Lamar when it goes to using his legs. Yeah, that's what my word was going to be explosive. He was just meaning like he was going to go back to more of his traditional style of play. Um, just a little bit more out there, a little bit more physical, a little bit more athletic. Um, and nothing wrong with that. But I think much to your point, the Ravens, Lamar, they're going to be just fine. Um, all right, we're going to move on. Tyreek Hill. He's been dealing with an injury, a bum ankle situation. Uh, He missed week 15. No word, though, if the Cheetah will play this Sunday against my Dallas Cowboys. But let's assume that he does play. Uh, Tyreek Hill will be blank. I'm going to go Brandon Marshall right here. Oh, my God. (laughs) He's going to go phrase. (laughs) Tyreek Hill. I mean, Tyreek Hill. Tyreek will be the MVP of the NFL against the Cowboys. This is a game that he's going to show the league that he is the most valuable player in the league. Although I think Stephon Gilmore will be a future Hall of – well, he is a future Hall of Famer. It doesn't matter when you're going against uh, Tyreek Hill because they move him all over the field. He'll be at the number three receiver. He'll be in the slot. He'll be at the one. They'll move him around. He will show this team who he really is. He's going to show the league who he really is. Coming up – his legs are going to be fresh. He had a bye week this week. He wasn't that hurt where he couldn't play. I think they just wanted to rest him. So he'll show everybody why he's the MVP. All right. We're going to go ahead and I'm going to go ahead. Tyreek Hill will be a factor against the Just Cowboys. a factor? A factor. That's my word. <laughs> a factor. That's two words, but whatever. A factor. Listen, Bill Belichick. Chrisio's not going to like this topic, but that's Okay. Um, Bill Belichick, the question in New England is what the Patriots will do with Bill Belichick after this season. Now, Bill Belichick was actually asked about his future and simply said, quote, I'm getting ready for Denver. So Belichick's future is with the Patriots. He's not going anywhere. I told y'all once we seen a quarterback play, mm. that's, that was his saving grace. You can't win without a quarterback in this league. And Belichick hasn't have a, had a quarterback since Brady. That's why this would be his last season that Robert Kraft is going to trust him to pick who he wants to be his quarterback. Or oh, I don't even know if he's going to have that luxury. Robert Kraft might say, yo, if you're here, we're going to let you know who we bringing in. I don't know if Belichick will be able to take that. He might say, yo, let's just part ways. But I think Kraft will give him the benefit of the doubt once Belichick says, I'm going to get somebody out the draft. I don't know. I don't know. This is tough because I don't even think Belichick would want to go to the draft and grab a rookie now. Belichick's future is with the Los Angeles Chargers. You think so? Brandon Staley is finally out. The interim guy is in, but they're thinking long-term. You have Justin Herbert. You have Derwin James. You have Austin Eckler. You have Mike Williams. You have Keenan Allen. You have a hell of a roster. This is the perfect situation for Bill Belichick. And they fired their GM. And they fired their GM. What Bill Belichick could do with this team would be gold. What he could do with Justin Herbert and his career. Uh, I don't know about Justin Herbert now. What? His, his offense, like, of masterminds, like, vibes. Justin, if anybody can take Justin Herbert to the next level, because there's already so many intangibles that he has as a quarterback. Like, he's already a lot further than some of the rookies that come into the draft. Any rookie that I feel like Bill Belichick's going to get. So he bringing Josh McDaniels with him, or he gonna start over and just bring some. I wouldn't be surprised else. if he brings McDaniels with him, but I'll tell you this much. That'd be dope. What I'm gonna tell you this much That'd is it's dope. with the Los Angeles Chargers. I'm telling you. <sighs> that job that job has his name written all over it. And Belichick kind of gives me the vibes where it's like, you know what, Kraft? 
I'm going to show you. I don't mind you, you it feeling at like all. I'm the problem? Look, Not I'm going to go that, out but here look, in L.A. Everyone said it was Brady or Belichick. Did Be Belichick need Brady or did Bra Can you imagine he goes to the Chargers and, win it? and wins Ooh. it? <laughs> I'm telling you. I'm telling I like you. It. I, I didn't like it before. You get out of cold. I... You get out of cold New England. Get some mm. sunshine. Maybe take some, you know, it reverses. They say it makes you, you know, get younger when you live in the sun, uh, state with a lot of sunshine. I'm telling you. And, the Span and they're Spano's going back to San Diego. And they're him. going back to San Diego, right? Yeah. The Spano family is going to give them. Yeah. I think, oh, no. They're building. I'm sorry. They're not going back to San Diego. They're building their own. They're not okay. going to play at SoFi. I think they're going to play at Inglewood, okay. right? Oh, no. That Inglewood. They're going to play somewhere or Orange County. I think they're moving their stadium. But the Spanos family will be the family that will give him free range to do Listen, whatever he wants. Whatever and that's he what wants. He, that's what he wants. He's like, yo, let me just come in and do me. And that makes sense. I'm telling you. We'll see you in L.A., Bill. All right, last one. Here we go. Justin Herbert's next head coach should be Bill Belichick. <laughs> Here it goes. I'm going to disagree. Oh Even God. though it sounds great, you know who I'm going to go with? Lincoln Riley. Lincoln Riley always get great quarterback play. I feel he knows his time is like coming to an end in college. He had what four or five Heisman quarterbacks, and he still hasn't played for a national championship yet. And you think that that makes him a good NFL coach? No, if you look at his offenses, like his all the offense offenses, if mm -hmm. that's a word, wherever he went, they produced. The quarterbacks played well. Everybody's been saying since Shane Steichen left Justin Herbert, like he didn't have the right coach in play to like propel him to the next level. Mm -hmm. So if Leak and Rylan come in with his type of offense, I think you'll see Justin Herbert make a run to be the MVP of the league. The only downside about that is, is that Lincoln Riley never had a defense. So that's when you need a GM that can come in and hire the right coordinator to put in place. But I think Justin Herbert needs the offensive guru. He hasn't had that since his rookie year, and he needs that. Belichick is a defensive guy. You bring in Josh McDaniels. Mm, Josh McDaniels is so strict. What about I don't, you? What I don't about? Want him to like, oh, I'll meet you halfway. What about Bill Belichick brings in Lincoln Riley? Lincoln Riley would never leave to be a coordinator. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm not leaving you. What about Harbaugh? his life, Harbaugh would be a great hire. That'll be the best hire. But Harbaugh, if he's – it depends on what he's doing in uh, college playoffs. Mm. He might not want to leave Michigan. Mm. So, I don't know. I don't know. I just feel like the job in L.A. has Belichick's I don't even know if I want to see Belichick it. with Herbert. I feel Why? like he'll stunt his growth. What? Yes. I feel like no Belichick way. never had anything to do with the offensive play. At all. Like, defensive side of the ball, like, yeah. That's why you bring somebody in. But, I mean, we're talking about Bill Belichick, Tom Brady. He wasn't running that offense. He had people who do it. Yeah, he had Josh McDaniels, who even Brady kind of butted heads with. But Brady knows he's Brady, and he's a vet. So he's going to go ahead know, and deal with that, like, kind of. I just feel like there's so much talent on this Chargers team that you need a talented coach. And Belichick is one of the best. I have no doubt that he'd be able to build a coaching squad to take this team to the next level. I just feel like it's a waste of the talent on that roster to not get them the very best. And Belichick's one of the very best. You know what I hope happens? I hope that 
the Pittsburgh Steelers do something dumb and let Mike Tomlin go, and he go and re- re-energize that team out there. They need a young, vibrant mm. coach. Like, L.A. needs a vibrant vibe out there. They don't need an older, strict guy out there. That don't even Damn. fit L.A. Babe. That don't even fit L.A. Tomlin right? and the Chargers could be kind of cool, though, but yeah. I, could, I can't even he imagine. Have a shades on I can't even imagine him not in Pittsburgh. That'd be crazy. I know that's crazy. Like, I to even, even think that he'll be out, but people are trying to mention it. I don't think they should get rid of him, but if he do, I think he'll be more sought sought after then Bill Belichick to be honest with you listen well we shall see there's going to be a lot of movement happening these next few weeks in the NFL and we'll be on top of it all but that does it for us here at Paper Out if you're listening on Sirius XM Faction Talk 103 thank you so much if you're watching on YouTube we thank you as well make sure you guys tap into the I Am Athlete social media channels to watch all of the clips in case you miss anything and we will be back tomorrow. It's my favorite day. It's hump day. Let's Bye, go. guys. <laughs>